From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Dak Prescott's name has been in lights for years. But with every good and bad of Dak's career, we've forced ourselves to overanalyze it. Why? Because it's Dak. It's the Cowboys. And when you're the starting quarterback of the Cowboys, everybody cares about everything that you do. Well, in a year where particularly we've spent the last month talking about everything Dak has done wrong, last night, Dak did everything right. So the question is, has he changed? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And of course, your smart speakers, all you got to do is tell them, play ESPN Radio. I'm Jason Fitz, sitting with Harry Douglas. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And this becomes that moment where, you know, suddenly we are looking at a quarterback like Dak Prescott. We're looking at a guy that we've had so much to say about for so long. And it raises a real question of what to do next. Like, how do you take it when somebody that we've spent a month saying, are you right? Are you not right? All of a sudden plays like that. Well, it raises an opportunity for my for me to ask my co-host that knows this game better than anybody what he saw last night with this. There's always stats, metrics, and history to back up an opinion. This is your opinion. It's a fact. But well, what are Harry's eyes telling him since he played in the NFL? That's the fact. Yeah. Find out now on the eye test. Eye test. Read time. With Fitz and Harry. All right, dude. What went right <laughs> last night? By the way, that opened. Like, we're trying all these new opens on the show. That one oh, was yes, fire. I love, I love that. that one. Love that one. What'd you see last night that you love from Dak? Now, you know me, Fitz. I am an eye test guy, as we just heard on that piece right there. So when I looked at Dak Prescott last night, I looked at a guy that was cool, calm, and collected. Right? I didn't think any part of that game was too much for Dak Prescott, even when they went three and out, three and out the first two times, the first two series that they had the football. But the way he was able to throw the football from the pocket and survey the football field and understand coverage and what was going on, They had a field they throwing seam routes, right? Seam routes versus one high is when, you know, a tight end or a wide receiver, they're going to go up up the inside edge of the numbers. Dak Prescott's going to put the football on them. Dalton Schultz had a field day uh, catching seam routes. Also versus two high, when you have two safeties in the middle of the football field, now those seams turn into benders. They bend those things in the middle of the football field. Dak Prescott was throwing that football on time. Also like how decisive and quick he was within his reads. Okay, one's not here, two's not here, let me go to three. One's here, boom. Two's here, boom. He's getting the ball out quick. He's decisive with his reads, and he's not predetermining what he, where he was going to throw the football. He's basically reading the coverage. I also love the way Dak Prescott utilized his legs. That fourth and goal, which happened to be one of the biggest plays in a football game, I thought, from my perspective, Dak Prescott, everybody probably thought the running back was going to get that ball, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, whoever was in the game at that time. But Dak Prescott kept it. Walked into the end zone, and it reminded me of when Dak Prescott first got the job with the Dallas Cowboys and how he utilized his legs and how he was scrambling, which he did numerous times last year. And the touchdown right before halftime where he scrambled to the left, scrambled to the left, he tricked me. I thought Dak was just going to run out of bounds and let it be a, you know, a positive gain. Nope, he didn't run out of bounds. He scrambled to his left, kept his eyes down the football field, and then threw a strike to Dalton Schultz for a touchdown. But I just love the way, you know, his entire persona was last night. Uh, the moment didn't seem too big for him, and he went out there and performed at a very, very high level, and the Dallas Cowboys benefited from it. Let's go back to that fourth and goal play, the naked bootleg sort of moment, rollout moment. 
He mm-hmm. sold that play action so well that I even felt like the way Glad he took the ball, up. the way that he brought, he dropped his body. Like we see guys half-ass play action all the time. I think it's stupid. The way he sold that, I I wasn't even mad at the fact he was that open coming around the edge because it was brilliant by him. And I'll tell you, Fitz, that's a major coaching point that a lot of you know quarterback coach and coaches and offensive coordinators and head coach try to instill within their quarterbacks because the more that you can sell run or the more that you can make it seem and not just one time but every time like when you're handing it off when you're faking you're handing it off every time has to be the same and also carry out your fakes when you do hand the football off that plays into the mind of a defense I doing the the the, the Bill Walsh internship with the Falcons this year I remember Dave Ragone their offensive coordinator making that a point of emphasis to the quarterbacks in practice one day hey sell the fakes, sell out your fakes, because if you can just carry one defender when you are handing that football off, but then you're, you're handing it off on a consistent basis and that defender gets, gets nosy and like, you know what, he's handing it off. Next thing you know, you're running around the edge for a touchdown. All those play, play, play major factors in one another. You want everything to look the same from a quarterback perspective when you're handing it off, when you're bootlegging, so the defender is pretty much in a guessing mode. Yeah, and that's what really stood out to me was the ability for Dak to keep the Bucks on it. You know what I mean? Like it felt like the Bucks couldn't right. figure out what was coming. And one of the things that that has been really brilliantly broken down across ESPN over the last week that we've talked a lot about was what you referenced earlier. Pre-snap, it feels like he predetermined where he wanted to go with the football and was reading the wrong portions of the field. Last night, it felt like it took a couple of drives to settle down. I will say, I think if you watch playoffs the way we have over the course of the last three days. That's the case for almost everybody not named Daniel Jones needed a couple of drives to sort of get their their legs under. Once Dak got comfortable, it really did feel like the entire game slowed down for him. So what I loved was seeing him drop back, but also you could see him keep his feet active. He's looking around the field. He's bouncing around. You can watch his head go from read to read to read and then figure out where he wants to go with the football. That speaks to a guy that had a great understanding of what the defense was going to show him. And there was one big blitz where all of a sudden the guy came off the corner and immediately Dak knew to put the ball in right behind him on a long third down. Like third and long was yep. not a problem for this team because Dak was reading what the defense was going to give him before it even happened. And I'll tell you another thing that I don't know if a lot of people are talking about today, but I think the mindset of Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator saying, you know what, let's go a little bit tempo, but a controlled tempo, right? We're not going to huddle. We're going to line up. We're going to get right back to the line of scrimmage. That way it forces the defense to be vanilla, right, in their coverage. Now, you know, Ty Bowles and that defense, they can't drop all those exotic blitzes because now the Dallas Cowboys, they aren't huddling up. They're getting right back to the line of scrimmage. You don't know if they're going to snap the ball fast. But it also, I've seen times where Akeem Hicks and those defensive linemen were gasping for air because some of the times they went quick and fast. Some of the times they controlled it and was like, you know what? Let's see what they're in. Then we're going to call our play based off what the defense is playing coverage-wise. And that's when you see Dak Prescott a lot of the times signaling to the wide receivers and tight ends what he wanted them to run. So I thought it was a good game plan also by Kellen Moore, knowing that Todd Bowles loves to blitz, knowing that Todd Bowles want to do some exotic things from a defensive perspective of making that defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be vanilla because you decide to go tempo, but at times also a controlled tempo to where you were in control the entire time. So educate me. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. For anyone that doesn't know, you should know, HD played in the league for 10 years, right? Yep. This is a tweet last night from Dan Orlovsky. He said, my gut, 
Kellen has the hand signals for the Tampa Bay defense. It's why they're going no huddle, get to the line of scrimmage, force defense at home to communicate non-verbally, and get into perfect calls on offense. Smart. You played for years in the league. Does yep. that happen? Like, uh, how- let me t- let me tell you why I do know. So uh, a lot of people who are listening right now, if you don't know, I played uh, with the Atlanta Falcons for seven years, and I came in the same year with Matt Ryan. So it was me, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez, and when Tony left, it was Devin Hester. We entered games a lot in no huddle in two minutes. We used to call it Texas. That was our no huddle offense. And a lot of the times when we played teams with great pass rushers or defensive coordinators that wanted to blitz a lot, we would just start the game out of no huddle to get them out of it and keep the big people on the field and have them gasping for air like I just mentioned. But also it makes the defense be more vanilla. And Matt Ryan was a very intelligent quarterback, still is, very, very intelligent. So we knew he was going to dissect the defense, and he basically called the plays off of what the defense were in. And you just got to think about this. That's another reason why the Los Angeles Rams last, last year, on their last drive that they scored and Cooper Cup scored a touchdown, that's why the Cincinnati Bengals had a hard time defending them at that moment because they went a little tempo and they couldn't find Cooper Cup or double them the way they wanted to because of the tempo that you're going and the pace that you're going at on offense. Uh, it's wild to me because what this speaks to is the intricacies of football. And yep. one of the things that we love to do when we're covering it, we meaning guys that look like me, right, that sit in front of a microphone that uh, the closest I've ever come to a huddle is play Madden, right? Like I'm the first to admit that. <laughs> all I can do when I when I watch the game is try and watch it with people smarter than I am, and all I can do is try and read, listen, and, and analyze the best that I can based on the information I learned from players like you. What stands out to me last night is not only that the Cowboys outplayed the Buccaneers, it's that flat out, for a coaching staff that has been much maligned at times, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, flat out out-coached the Tampa Bay coaching staff. I think that's an important – we've been yep. talking so much about coaching matters. Last night – And uh, it wasn't close. Trust me. It wasn't close at all. And and last night, that 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 happens to a, a coach that, you know, frankly, if the if, if it was the opposite, we would be destroying Matt, Mike McCarthy today saying the guy shouldn't even be in the league. That There is a moment here where I've got to tip the cap to the Cowboys organization, the way they did business. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they can save you hundreds on your car insurance. Now, this means everybody's going to start talking about Brady. Where could Brady play next year? Where could Brady end up? The question is, should your favorite team even want Brady? I'll answer that question definitively next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Tonight, let's be honest. I mean, he looked like a 45-year-old quarterback. Tom Brady has to go to a team where a number one wide receiver is there, a tight end is there, a running back's there, a coach that he may know well or may not know well is there. Just one day at a time. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Tonight, let's be honest. I mean, he looked like a 45-year-old quarterback. Second and goal. Brady pulls it down, now throws it. Intercepted by Curse. This has been a lot of focus on, you know, this game, so yeah. It's just be one day at a time. Tom Brady has to go to a team where a number one wide receiver is there, a tight end is there, a running back's there, a coach that he may know well or may not know well is there. What we saw last night is going to raise tremendous questions about what the future looks like for the GOAT. 
and a real opportunity for every single franchise that thinks they need a quarterback to look in the mirror and ask themselves this. Do you sign a quarterback based on what they've done in the past or based on what they can do for you today? And I think if you had to answer that question honestly without the brand name of Brady attached to it, you might be shocked by the answer. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, you know, HD, this this is this is what happens, right? Uh, we knew this was going to happen, and you and I joked about it yesterday when we were talking about the fact that whatever the outcome was going to be, it was either going to be doomsday for the Cowboys or doomsday for Brady. But I don't think even you and I could have expected, even in a loss by the Bucks. I don't think the Bucs are any good. Even by a loss in the Bucs, I don't even think you and I could have expected that Brady would look that bad in that loss. No, and he looked terrible. And I'm saying that <laughs> gracefully because Tom Brady is uh, the, the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. He's won seven Super Bowls, been to ten. But I got to live in it now. And, and I was hanging on to the, you know, Tom Brady being Tom Brady for so long, Fitz. But today... At this moment, on this Tuesday, January 17th, I have to live in the now. And what I, what I see transpire last night wasn't good. wasn't good for my eyes. wasn't good for Buccaneers fans. Uh, it wasn't good for people who expect Brady to play again in the future. Because what we seen last night was a guy who doesn't want to get hit, um, a guy that was frustrated, a guy that was angry. And I think we pretty much seen that from Brady the entire year. Now, granted, he threw for a lot of yards this season, but they didn't rush the football effectively either. And you look at a guy like Tom Brady, he has to have a run game. That's been his M.O. his entire career, is being able to utilize and have the run game um, in his holster, in his hip pocket. And this year in 2022, and including the 2023 playoffs, it just wasn't there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers nor Tom Brady. But moving forward, Tom has some decisions to make, whether he still wants to play football, um, he, he I, I advise him to take some time off right now uh, before making that decision. But you look at a guy who went through what he went through with his wife and who is now divorced. Um, I don't know if I see Tom Brady retiring this season, especially within the manner that they just lost that game last night in an embarrassing fashion in which he threw an interception for the first time in three years in the red zone. Uh, he missed throws consistently. He was throwing balls in the dirt. He looked like he was nervous when, you know, Dallas defenders were getting close to him. I don't know if I see Tom Brady wanting to be remembered, even though he's done amazing things and he's an icon. I don't think Tom Brady want to be remembered by by any means of what we seen last night transpire on that football field. It'll be interesting. Uh Everybody wants to ask me about the Raiders and Brady. Before I get to that, because we need to have we need to have an honest conversation. Before I get to that, I want you to hear what Marcus Spears, ESPN football analyst, said on Get Up about what he thinks Brady is doing right now. I think he's saying goodbye to football. And listen, we could talk about the perfect situation and the offensive line and the run game. First of all, I don't want to see you go. This ain't basketball. All right, everybody keep talking about Jordan and the Wizards. This ain't, bro. You can get we. People get knocked out out there. That's number one. The other thing is, you don't want people to remember this about, about your career. And, and literally, I was not saying, Tom, go home because you can't throw for 5,000 yards or whatever. Like, this, this NFL now, it's much easier to have a lot of passing yards in this league. The other thing is this, man. Like, when, when I watched Tom Brady last night, this is football. 
Tom does not want to get touched in a football game. It's not possible for you not to get touched. Mm -hmm. We saw him ducking and throwing balls into the ground. Obviously, we saw the interception in the red zone. And guys, this has been all year long. All right, Harry. I just, I did not, did I not just literally say that, bro? Yep, a hundred percent. That, that's, that's what my eyes seen. That's what Swagoo seen. That's what you seen, Fitz. That's what everybody who watched that football game last night seen from Tom Brady. So it raises a question. What's next? Go ahead, Harry. You got a question for you can ask your question, Harry. Like, go, go ahead. Everybody's asking well, me. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the question is, what's next for Brady? Um, does he remain in Tampa? I don't know if I see that happening. Uh, but if he doesn't remain in Tampa, what are some places that he could potentially go? And from on the flip side of that, who would actually want him after looking at that performance last night and looking at this season? Now, granted, he is the greatest of all time, so there are going to be people that that that's going to you know put their bid in and try to get him. My question for you, Fitz, your beloved Raiders, and you know Josh McDaniels is there, and Tom Brady was with him for a very, very long time. Do you see Tom Brady going to the Raiders? No. No, no, and no. No, you stop and right that, there. Let, I'm, not, I'm not done with my question. Okay, you stop right okay, there. Okay, okay, Now, you're saying no. Is it because you don't want Tom Brady, Jason Fitz? Is it because you don't want Tom Brady? You don't think he's capable of helping the Raiders? I want to know why. Tell me why. You know I am the biggest Raiders fan in the world. I got a mm-hmm. damn Raiders tattoo, so let me be clear about this. If John Elway, if a lower I thought, back tattoo, if, a lower back, yeah, Raiders it's, like, it's like a whole tramp stamp thing. It just says Raiders cross. <laughs> uh, if John Elway decided tomorrow he was going to suit up and everybody thought he could win the Raiders football games, I'm good with. I don't care where anybody comes from that plays for my beloved Raiders. I don't care what their past is. I don't care what their gender is. I don't care what their sexuality is. I don't care what teams they play for. And I don't give a damn about a talk. I want to win football games. I want to watch my favorite team win. The problem here is that I don't believe with any ounce all the way to my core that Tom Brady being added to this Raiders team wins a Super Bowl. I'm not even sure Tom Brady added to this team makes the Raiders any better than third best in the AFC West. The fact is, Tom Brady, for all of the brand of Tom Brady and for all of the intelligence of Tom Brady and for all of the numbers that Tom Brady has, would simply be the third best quarterback in the division with likely, possibly, depending on what happens this offseason, the third best coach. That's not a method that gets you to the Super Bowl. The Raiders need to make long-term decisions on how they can win football games, not just today, but how they can be competitive for a generation. And this would not be dropping a Hall of Fame-level quarterback into a Super Bowl-ready roster. This would be dropping a Hall of Fame-level quarterback into a team that defensively is a dumpster fire with with an offensive line that's not any better than Tampa Bay's, which means your best case scenario is likely a season we just saw in Tampa Bay, and that's not good enough. The Raiders so need me. to improve, and Tom Brady's not the answer. So you're saying Tom Brady's done? Yes. I think Tom Brady should be done. Say it with your chest. Say Tom Brady chest, should now. be done. Like, this is your chance to walk away. If Tom Brady wants to go somewhere and play, he needs mm-hmm. to go somewhere where he can win a Super Bowl right now. That's not – that is okay. not Vegas. I don't care if Tom Brady is added. You 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 know damn well, Harry, that if Tom Brady <laughs> became the Super Bowl – like, right now, I put Tom Brady on the Raiders. You think the Raiders win in the Super Bowl? That's between – that's for you to understand. No, I'm asking you. I'm you're, asking, you're, you're a Raiders oh. fan. 
You're a Raiders fan. I think the Raiders have more holes. The Raiders need to fill out their defense. See, and and Evan, I our think produ- the Raiders, Evan, the Raiders our producer have- is is telling me that he would take Brady in a heartbeat on the Jets. Yes. The Jets well, have more talent than yes. the Raiders do right now. Yes, I would take Tom Brady. Even the way he looked last night, Tom Brady would be the best quarterback on the Jets roster. Even the way he played and last I, night, I agree with that. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree I agree with, that. with that. So there is somebody out there. There is a desperate enough owner. Woody Johnson loves stars. There is a desperate enough owner out there. There is a desperate enough team out there that will go out and give Tom Brady a contract and bring him back. I could. Would you rather have Tom Jets. Brady or Derek Carr? I personally would rather have Derek Carr. But you're asking Woody Johnson, a man who hasn't made a good decision in about 15 <laughs> years, to make that decision. When Woody Johnson makes that decision and somebody whispers in his ear and says, remember when Bill Belichick, before you even bought the team, said he didn't want to be here and he left to go to New England? Well, now we can stick it to Belichick's face, sign Tom Brady, and beat New England twice? Woody Johnson would sign up for that in a heartbeat. You and- could offer Woody Johnson, Lamar Jackson, or Tom Brady, and he is taking 90 90- 96-year-old Tom Brady over a guy in his prime. Evan, what is your Twitter handle? Wilner Radio. Just so everybody knows, that's W-I-L-N-E-R Radio. I say that because you just said you would take Derek Carr over Tom Brady, and I want your menchies to get blown blown up, not either of ours. <laughs> I'm just saying, good luck to you. Thoughts and prayers for what's so about Fitz, to happen it, to it's hard. It's hard for me to, to hear this because, you know, you have Raider underwear. Like, that's how big I of do. a fan that you are. And on you right say now. That Tom Off Brady season Raider done, underwear is on right now. That you would not take Tom Brady on your team. No, I don't think that Tom Brady makes him better enough to make it worth it. They need a long-term answer. They need a 10-year answer. I take Lamar Jackson. Yeah, 100%. I take somebody in the draft that you're at least trying to roll the dice on. All they're going to be with Tom Brady next year is an eight-win football team that, that you know sort of scrapes by while they try and build an actual roster towards being really good. That's that's a, Harry's laughing at me, but you know, I I don't know. One of our colleagues has said there's a playoff team that needs to consider a change at quarterback. We're going to tell you why quarterback isn't their problem at all. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Is it a good take? That's good. Great. Or a hot take? How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. Douglas, Jason Fitz. Together like Voltron, we combine for one magnificent robot known as Fitz and Harry. It's a cartoon reference from the 80s. Really, mostly, you know, a cultural cartoon reference there, Harry. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN <laughs> app series, XM Channel 80, Fitz and Harry is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We're going to make all these takes more. We did it earlier. We're bringing it back this time about anything in the NFL. It's time for Good Take, Hot Take. We're going to play a take from one of our peers. We will decide if that take is good. If so, we will label it as such. If that take is hot, which means either it's, you know, just irresponsible or bad or what the, like, flamethrower, what are you talking about? Then we will label it as hot and we will start with one Chris Carlin, co-host of Canty and Carlin. He was on Greeny and this is what he said about Lamar. My best excuse can't be, well, who else are you going to get? I need to go make that happen. You know, if I'm the Vikings, Chris, I'll give you a perfect example. If I'm the Vikings and I'm looking at what's going on in Baltimore, I'm doing everything I can to figure out what I can do to try to throw a bunch of picks and money at the Ravens for Lamar Jackson. If that's falling apart, they're not going to want him in the conference for sure. And I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think it's a good enough reason to say we don't have anything else. What's our best alternative? 
What do you think, Harry? Good take, hot take. Uh, no, I think that's a hot take. So hot right and, now. And here's why. We got to remember, the Minnesota Vikings, the reason why they stumbled upon this season is because of their defense. Their defense was terrible all year. Their defense, and I'm trying to look it up right now, their defense gave up 431 yards to the New York football Giants in their playoff game. Think about that, Fitz. 431 yards. Daniel Jones passed for 301. He rushed for 70-plus. He rushed for seven touchdowns. Think about this. Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Richie James look like bona fide stars. Bona fide stars against the defense of the Minnesota Vikings. They better be investing all their money into defensive personnel. That's what they better be put spending their money on. Well, you're right, and that's why I think this is a hot take uh, when it comes hot to— Hot take the, alert, hot uh, take alert, hot take alert. <laughs> you know, when you start thinking about what the Vikings need. Now, granted, the Vikings could offer Kirk Cousins possibly as part of this trade package, and then the Ravens get a quarterback. At least they have somebody behind center. I can see some of the logic on that. Kirk Cousins isn't your problem. And this is the thing we talk about all the time on this show. The reason we're wrong about football teams so often is because we focus on one guy instead of 53. And it's very simple. Well, f- 52. Yeah, 52 others. Yeah, well, math is hard. I was told there would be no math. Uh, <laughs> but you're 100% right. Like, the Vikings defense is atrocious. The Vikings defense is a problem. The Vikings defense is an abomination. And I don't care who you – I don't care if Jesus is the quarterback. You're still going to give up too many yards. Like, at some point, we got to stop with this Kirk Cousins thing. And, like, that's going to suddenly make a difference. I thought Boog was great on this on Monday Countdown last night – when he yep. said, miss me with any of your conversation about Kirk Cousins. He's not the reason the Vikings lost this game. The abomination, atrocious, hot garbage, trash defense they put on the field is. Let's go to the next take from Marcus Spears, ESPN football analyst uh, on Get Up, talking about the Ravens and playing hardball with Lamar. I absolutely think it's wrong. All right, Because, number one, it's been built around him. We know how much he means to what this team has had from a level of success. That, like, all we judging you off of is all we have. All we have with Lamar Jackson is going to the playoffs, league MVP, and literally being the responsible party for why your team has had a, a, such a tremendous amount of success mm-hmm. and why we talk about the Baltimore Ravens like we talk about yep. the Baltimore Ravens. Literally, when we talk about the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC and having a, a chance to win a Super Bowl, it's because of Lamar Jackson, period. End of story, nothing else. Good take, hot take. Good take. Uh, when you look at all the quarterbacks this offseason that signed new deals, Deshaun Watson got $230 million guaranteed. Kyler Murray got $189.5 million guaranteed. Russell Wilson got $165 million guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers got $150.7 million guaranteed. And Matthew Stafford got $130 million guaranteed. There's nothing, there is nothing that Kyler Murray has done that can eclipse what Lamar Jackson has done in the football, in the National Football League up until this point. You can even say the same thing about Deshaun Watson. So, Whatever the number is, and I don't know exactly what it is, but pretty sure it's not to Lamar Jackson's liking. I don't think it should be anything. I will say I don't think it should be anything under $210, $215 million guaranteed. Yeah, well, look, I, I agree with you. I think this is a good take. And it's a good take for a simple reason. When you play hardball with somebody, you better have an alternative. 
The That's Ravens right. don't have an alternative. They beat all, they built a whole offense around Lamar. They don't have a second option. So now they played hardball with somebody going into this conversation, going into this contract negotiation, and they're the ones left without leverage. I know the fan the franchise tag is the leverage they have, but who's going to be their quarterback of the future? They don't have an answer on that. So, you know, that that in and of itself is enough reason for me to look at this and say it was absolutely dumb the way that they've handled this entire negotiation. Dominique Foxworth said it this morning. I've been saying it on ESPN Radio for three years. The minute you know you have your quarterback, sign him today to the longest contract you possibly can so that he's happy because all it's going to do you every single year if you don't is cost you more money. They wouldn't be in this situation if they'd taken care of the contract when they first could have. Now, all that being said, there is one hot take. There is one hot take that is so hot about the quarterbacks coming in the playoffs. There is one hot take about the quarterbacks that are left. There is one take so dramatic, it deserves to be analyzed by itself. One of my peers this morning broke down a list of the top quarterbacks in the NFL still playing, and I'm (laughs) telling you, he has lost his mind. We will play you some of what he thinks, and we will right the wrongs that were committed next. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. First time I met Paul Feinbaum, I was in Charlotte, ESPNU. My first day ever. Oh, Paul. Marcus Spears was in the green room. He was getting changed. I got nowhere to get changed. I walk into the bathroom. I'm like, all right, I got nowhere to get changed. I'm just going to get changed here. The minute I drop my pants, <laughs> pants on the ground, Paul Feinbaum walks in the bathroom. <laughs> just looks at me and I was like, hey, Paul. I'm Fitz. And he just looked at me for a minute and he's like, hey, man. I know what y'all are wondering, and no, they weren't Raiders underwear that day. It's Fitz and Harry <laughs> on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Them damn tidy whities out of here. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. No, it's boxer briefs. I'm not a tidy whities guy. You know, I'm not a tidy whities guy. See, We're, I took you for like a, a V cut, tidy whities guy. Oh, you took you know me what for I mean? a V? Like, what? What? Guy, what? Guy? You know what? It's it's too hot in her for me to be wearing that. Like what? Like she's like the way I did that. By the way, channeling my I still, full. I still love you, bro. It's hitting hot and getting hot in her. Like my my nail in this at this point. Uh, Fitz and Aries presented by Progressive Insurance. We were just doing good take hot take, and sometimes we play. It's getting hot here because sometimes some takes are so hot that they deserve their own conversation. And uh, our buddy, friend of the show, one of my besties, in fact, somebody that I find myself constantly thinking, I should text him, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, co-host of Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, (laughs) was on KJM this morning, a glorious show, Uh, a fantastic, especially when Harry Douglas is on it, uh, it is a spectacular show. Uh, But this morning, uh, Keyshawn made a list, and his list was the best quarterbacks left in the playoffs. This is what he had to say about the eighth best quarterback left in the playoffs. So when you look at my rankings, Patrick Mahomes sits at one, Josh Allen two, Joe Burrow three, Dak Prescott four, Jalen Hurts five, Daniel Jones six, Brock Purdy or Prite, depending on who wants to call it, seven, and Trevor Lawrence at eight. Trevor Lawrence at eight? Trevor Lawrence, like, I know Keyshawn's out there in California, but I want to I wanna party with Key because, like, obviously he was doing a little partying before this show, Harry. There's no way Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is the eighth best quarterback out of eight left in the playoffs after doing what he did after the first quarter of that last game. I'll be honest, I'll put him at number seven. 
okay. I put him at number seven. I'm not putting Brock Purdy ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I understand Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions uh, in that ball game. Warranted the first one was a tip ball and tips and overthrows. We already know defense alignment tipped it. Ball got intercepted. We already know about that. The second interception that he had was on fourth down. So at that juncture, at that point in the game, and also it was like a cop route, a corner stop route. I think it was to Zay Jones or Marvin Jones, one of those guys. And he got held a little bit at the top. They didn't call it, and the ball got picked off. So those, those are two interceptions right there. Like the first one I didn't put on his, on his shoulders because he got tipped, and then the second one is fourth down. You got to throw that ball up anyway. He basically did what Kirk Cousins didn't do on fourth down, right? He threw it up, gave a receiver a chance, and – Either way it go, if it's incomplete, they're going to get that ball in that spot. So uh, the first two interceptions, I'm not, I'm not really looking at it. Plus, I didn't think that Doug Peterson should have went forward on that fourth down. I thought he should have kicked the field goal early on in that game. So mentioning Trevor Lawrence through those interceptions, he still came back in that football game and never lost the mental part of things and threw four touchdown passes. Yeah, somebody – And led them down to the game-winning drive. Well, and we said yesterday, Tangerine Lawrence, like Trevor Tangerines yeah. maybe. Tangerine I, I think it's like it's bigger than – like maybe it's tre- Trevor Watermelons, like Watermelons Lawrence, like because it, it takes – like it's bigger that than Tangerine. I mean <laughs> – My goodness. Boy, he got to go see a doctor. <laughs> God dang. Boy, got to go see a doctor, don't you? I'm just – I'm not going to be able to hold it together now. I'm just saying the ability to throw that many picks and come back and play that well with cool confidence. Like Brock Purdy was a little bit shaky in the beginning of the game too. You know, there there is an element, and I know what we've seen, but if we're going to talk about remaining the playoffs, I have to look at the totality of what we've seen th- from them throughout the course of the year. I mm-hmm. understand that Mahomes and Allen uh, and Joe Burrow are clearly, and Jalen Hurts, I understand that those four guys are clearly above everybody else. So w- w- what's... What's the top four again that Key had? Uh, well, let me see here. He's got. So when you look at my rankings, Patrick Mahomes sits at one, Josh Allen two, Joe Burrow three, wrong. Dak Prescott four, Jay. See, we got to number two and he's wrong. Okay, so how would you rank him? I, I mean, we got Patrick I, Mahomes at one? I have Patrick Mahomes one. Yep. I have Joe Burrow at number two. I, for, the, for the remainder of the playoffs, I agree with that because uh, there's been too many turnovers from Josh Allen. Right. And before the playoffs, it was too many turnovers as well. Yep. So then you uh, have plus, Josh Allen. Plus, I three? also believe they were going to beat them head to head previous before DeMar Hamlin got hurt. Uh, so I got Josh Allen at number three. Okay. I have Jalen Hurts at four. Me too. Can't sit here, sit up here and ignore everything he's done this season. And also, and we're ignoring got, everything that Dak did up till last. Like, I understand how great Dak was last night. We've been talking yes. about it all show. But up until that point, we've seen Dak make curious throws. I got no problem putting Jalen Hurts above Dak. So I got Dak at number five. Okay. I got Daniel Jones at six, and I have Trevor Lawrence at seven, and Brock Purdy at number eight. I don't have a hard time with that list. In my mind, I also would, again, I know how good Daniel Jones was in the last game mm-hmm. against the trashy Vikings defense. I don't think I'd have a hard time considering the body of work and the way that Trevor Lawrence has played since week nine. I don't think I'd have a hard time. You wouldn't have to press hard to convince me to put to put Daniel Jones beneath Trevor Lawrence. Like, part of that... You know, I understand it's just the Giants offense who they're throwing to. But, again, they were playing the Vikings. And as well, the, much- thing, the thing about Daniel Jones that, that really separates himself from me, I think, is the ability and having over 700-plus yards rushing uh, throughout the regular season, not turning the football over, taking care of the football, and being one of the reasons why the New York football Giants are actually winning. And then we've seen in the playoff game against the Vikings, throw for 301, two touchdowns, 
but also have 17 carries for 78 yards. So that's why I will put him at that sixth spot. Yeah, and I, you're right. The legs portion of this is a, a big, big portion of it. And in fairness, when you look at the numbers over the course of this season, what a Daniel Jones slightly higher completion percentage for less yards. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence a little more aggressive, obviously. Uh, but but it's the touchdowns for me. Like Daniel Jones has been very good this year, fifteen and five on the touchdowns interceptions. But twenty five to eight is still a hell of a touchdown interception ratio for Trevor Lawrence. So I I just wouldn't have a hard time. Like I don't mind Daniel Jones being where he is on the list. I mean I spent all day yesterday forming a street team, getting a cricket out, making T-shirts for Daniel Jones. Like I feel like at this point I'm like <laughs> Daniel Jones with sacks of cash everywhere last night on the Monday Night Football preview show. I stole Devin's line and said Danny Dimes has become Danny Dollar. Like, I feel like I'm all in on the Daniel Jones things. But I, I still – Trevor Lawrence, I think, is getting a lot of disrespect and being eight on this list. It, it, it Yes, it was a I like rough... Trevor Lawrence a lot. I liked him in college. And Fitz, me and you worked on college football on numerous of occasions, and we really enjoyed watching Trevor Lawrence – uh, his entire uh, college career as well. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a little element here where I don't know what I just hit on the screen. I Uh-oh. think there's a little element uh, that speaks to the fact that you know we we have a perception on certain organizations. I'm just saying four interceptions or not. This is the analogy I keep making this week. If Trevor Lawrence had the bounce back game with a star on his helmet as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys today, the conversation would be like, well, you can't hold him down the whole game. I tell you this. I tell you this. He go out there and ball against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and company. Woo, he gonna climb that list. Oh, you are he gonna not climb wrong. that list. You are not wrong about that. If he goes out there and does this against the Chiefs, like the Chiefs Jags matchup is interesting to me because the Chiefs defense can be taken advantage of, and this mm-hmm. offense for the Jags can score on anybody, anywhere, anytime. All right, as we keep breaking it all down, coming up, a Super Bowl champion wonders out loud who would even want Tom Brady. You'll hear it next. We'll react to it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.